in the heart of Austin, Texas, is the Driscoll Hotel. It's a magnet for both history buffs and paranormal enthusiasts, and the history of it goes back to 1886. The architecture and the decor are opulent. Its old-world charm is the perfect setting for the eerie stories that have come from this place. That the spirit of Colonel Jesse Driscoll himself still roams the halls of his creation. Some guests and staff have reported encountering his ghostly apparition, seen dressed in a dapper suit, elegantly walking the corridors as if overseeing the hotel's operations from beyond the grave. But Driscoll is not the only spirit in these halls. Another infamous tale revolves around the Suicide Brides, two young women who tragically took their lives on the same day in different rooms but under eerily similar circumstances. Their spirits are said to linger, and some guests have experienced unexplained cold spots and strange sensations near the locations of their fateful ends. The hotel's grandiose lobby, adorned with polished marble and exquisite chandeliers, has also had its fair share of ghostly encounters. Visitors have reported hearing phantom footsteps, disembodied laughter, and even the rustling of clothing. From unexplained flickering lights to mysterious shadows that dart across the walls, the Driscoll Hotel leaves its guests with more than just fond memories. It gifts them with tales of the supernatural and experiences that defy explanation. So if you ever find yourself in Austin, and you happen to check out the Driscoll Hotel, and if you happen to witness anything unusual, I want to hear about it. I'm Albie Robles, and I want you to scare me. Carson Brawley is a fellow voice actor who I met while taking a class together. He is also a good friend of mine and has some incredible stories to share today. Here's Carson. I am Carson Brawley. I am a voice actor, graphic designer, and photographer. Uh, I live in Lubbock, Texas and everything. Plan on moving to Dallas and just that's pretty much it. I do enjoy horror films. Like There are certain films that do freak me out and everything. I don't like being scared. But there's a certain thing about me being intrigued. It's always interesting. I always want to learn about it. Uh, I do kind of, I don't really fear it. I want to understand it. In terms of the experiences I have, I've only had one personally. But my parents, though, have had two. And with them, my parents are very uh, spiritual in terms of like, we come from, a, we're from Texas, in a small town, Texas. We go to church every Sunday and everything. Big believers in God and everything. But we do believe in like the supernatural to an extent. We've had some experience. We've experienced things in that area. Well, with my experience that I had with the whole horror kind of creepy, it all happened, uh, I'd say, let's see, I would have been about either 13 or 14, uh, say a freshman, sophomore in high school. My dad at the time, this was after, shortly after my mom and dad got divorced and everything. My dad had got promoted in his job, he was, and, and he was a supervisor. Well, with the supervisor in the job and everything, he, uh, he wasn't required to, but he wanted to meet all of the employees who were like in charge of like the certain districts. He wanted to meet them personally and everything. 
And so, like, some of them would invite us over for dinner and whatnot. That's how I would usually do it. Like, he'd meet them, like, at a cafe, or he'd invite them to his house, or they'd invite him to his house. And this was one week one week where I was staying with him. And I remember he met this one guy. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. It might have been Mark. But we met Mark and everything. But I remember when we first met him, we met him at a cafe. And this cafe we were at, it was like a, it was like a, more of a steakhouse than a cafe. And we had met him there that night to personally meet him. And I remember when he, when he was there first, and me and my dad showed up to meet him there. And when we got there, I had this uneasy, fe- uneasy feeling, like this, just this feeling of just evil. I'm not sure how to describe it, just this cold, I felt chills and everything. So something was wrong. And throughout the dinner and everything, my dad was having a conversation with him. He was talking to him regularly. He was a, he was a friendly guy and everything. He, he was a nice guy. But there was just like this uneasy feeling about him. And it, I was watching him the entire time. His body language was normal. He seemed normal. Everything, everything was fine. I didn't know what it was. And then we leave and everything. And I told my dad that night, like, hey, I had this weird feeling. And my dad was like, yeah, I, had, I felt something too. There was something off about him. But we couldn't place it on him. Well, cut ahead, I'd say, a couple weeks later. And then he invites, my dad got to know him a little bit better. And he then invites us to come over to his house for dinner and everything, to meet his wife. It was him and his wife. And everything. So we go. I'm a, I'm a bit reluctant because this guy freaked me out a bit. But I'm just like, eh, maybe it was just maybe the restaurant or something. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe it was just something weird. So we go to his house and everything. And when we get to his house, that same feeling comes back for both of us. That I found out after my dad had had that same feeling. But when we got there, we noticed things about his house. Like he had like these weird, like these weird, almost like witchcraft stuff like all around his house when we got there. And like we went, to, we went inside of his house. He had like things, kind of like he had some dream catchers and whatnot. But he also had things like these weird masks all around his house, just like you know, like where you keep like people would keep like their crosses or pictures or something that like the family hanging around their house, like little things like "Oh, welcome to my home" stuff like that. It was all these creepy masks and everything. They weren't necessarily satanic. They looked more almost Aztec, almost like. Some stuff like you see like an Indiana Jones movie or something like you, things like you'd find in a museum. But there was one mask in particular that was like even bigger than the rest. And it was in the shape of a goat's head. Now, it wasn't an actual goat's head. It was like one of those wooden masks that's just like flat you put over your face. But it was, in the, and it, it was just flat, but it was in the shape of a goat's head and everything. And so I noticed when – and my dad was like, uh-oh. Me and my dad were like, uh-oh. Something, something's definitely off about this guy. This is where that feeling was come from. His wife was like the same way. Like they were friendly and they were nice and everything. And my dad had wanted to ask them about that, but there was something like we didn't want to ask. So we wanted to get out of there. So my dad asked like, hey, he wrapped things up as fast as possible and everything. And we leave. Well, come to find out later, my dad then tells me later that these guys are actually like, they're like Wiccans. He told me that they were Wiccans. He learned from somebody else that they they practice like witchcraft. And all the kind of stuff that they're not Satan. They weren't Satanists, but they did do a lot of like that weird, weird stuff. I remember that feeling that like that that had to be something. There's no way that that wasn't something because we had that feeling before we even knew anything about it. This guy wasn't wearing like a t-shirt, but like or anything. He was just normal, just like you and me. He looked like just regular guy. You pat this guy in the street, you know nothing. But we were around him. There was something just we 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 could feel. It. It's like we just knew. That there, this guy, something was wrong with this guy. 
Well, my mom, in terms of experiences, my mom has had one personally. And then the third one, my mom and dad both experienced at the same time. Okay. Well, this one, my mom, this was long, the one with my mom, personal experience with her. It was long before I was born. I'd say at least 10 years. My mom and dad had, uh, see, they had been married a couple of years, at least five years at the time. And they were living in rural Texas at the time. Well, my dad was a truck driver and everything. So he was on the road almost all the time. He didn't get back until like 11 p.m. at night. And then he'd sleep in. He'd get up at like 5 a.m. in the morning, just go do the next delivery. They were private. He was a private trucker and everything. Him and his brother and his cousin all owned it. It was just him, like three guys, all their own private trucking. Well, my mom at the time, I believe she worked as an accountant for the city in rule. And she would she would stay home by herself. It was just it was just her. They didn't they just moved to the town. They didn't know anyone in the town, so they were kind of like kind of getting their sea legs, just kind of getting to know people and everything. Uh, they had, they recently found like a local church that they went to that they were making friends with, getting into the community and whatnot. And they lived in one of those double wide trailers. It, it wasn't in a trailer park, but it was like one of those one trailers that you'll see just like on a street that's like that's like left there and everything, the foundations whatnot. But it was it was a double wide, but it was one of those ones that was like fairly new. Like you, you couldn't walk in this thing without hearing footsteps. Like if someone else was in that house, you always knew where they were because the footsteps, it was small enough to where the footsteps would re- reverberate throughout the entire home where you could hear them. So if like someone's in the bathroom, you get in the bedroom, you can hear them, you know that they're there. And the way that this was structured was, is that it was like one long hallway. And then here's the door and there's like one long hallway. And like, here's the living room, the bathroom, the bedroom, and the laundry room. Well, at the time, this was about, I'd say, nine, I think it was nine o'clock. My mom told me late at night, my mom uh, goes to bed pretty early and everything. And when she goes to bed, she just stays in. She reads a book and whatnot. She like read her stuff. Because at this time, my mom and dad were ministers. They'd actually been to Russia several times and as on ministry trips. And so she was studying up on that because they were going to go back to Russia recently. So she was studying up on that and whatnot. And my dad was away driving the truck. And so she was home alone completely. Well, she was in, when she was laying in bed, right? Just up and out with a nightlight on reading a book. And she heard something walking in the house. Now, she didn't hear the door open at all. She, this was like back in like the early 90s. So there was no like headphones. They didn't have any headphones. She wasn't listening to like a Walkman or anything. No TV on. It was just complete silence. And she heard something walking in the house. And she thought it was my dad. So she called out, Jeff, is that you? And like, there's no response to everything. And then after that, she starts hearing like more. It's just like walking. But she can't tell where the sound's coming from. She can't tell if it's like in the bathroom, the living room or nothing. So she starts freaking out. And the door, where the hallway is, the door is completely open. So, right, so you can't walk in that hallway without something, without you seeing what's going down that hallway. Well, my mom, after she calls out to something, she starts feeling uneasy and everything. And then she hears running down the hallway. Like something's running down the hallway and everything. She has no idea what it is at all. And she hears it go from like the very front of it to the very back of it. And when she runs down there, she, she sees nothing in the doorway. But she feels it like run down it and everything. So she starts freaking out. So she starts – and this is like they had one of those like phones, like the cord phones and everything. So she starts – she calls my dad and everything. She gets under the covers, she starts, and she starts to call my dad, but she can't get a hold of him at the time. So she just starts under her cover. She just starts praying and praying. She's like, Lord, help me. Please, like, please, well, whoever this is, get them out of my house. And she says she feels it jump up on the bed. 
Like it's it's like she's under the covers and she feels it jump upon the bed and not like it's like just crawling like there or like laying down. It's like standing like on the bed, like on top of the bed. It's just standing there. And she has no idea. She thinks she's about to be hurt. Something could happen. She could be violated. So she had no idea what it was. She didn't even know anything. So she's laying there. She's praying everything. And she wants to, she's, she's not saying anything. She's crying. She's freaking out. And she just starts, as she's like praying everything, she's like, Lord, please give me peace and all this. And she just feels it leave. Like whatever it was, just leave. She didn't hear it jump off the bed. Like there was no, you would have heard it like get off, like just step off the bed and run back out. No, no, there was nothing. It just disappeared. Like the feeling just went away. And then like after five, after five minutes, she, she didn't, she didn't just look up like she was gone. She was just still just, and she didn't feel nothing, like hear it go out or nothing. She looked up, there was nothing there at all. And she went and checked. She called the police and everything. The police came. There was no signs of entry at all. The door was locked. No signs of entry at all. No signs of footsteps. Nothing was taken. Nothing was stolen. What, what wasn't any signs of anything. And my mom at the time, she, she, she hadn't been a big believer in like the supernatural or whatnot. Now, now she had known that there are spirits and stuff out there, but she didn't know what that was. But she, it had scared her just out of her mind. And like to this day, she still, it, it, it still freaks her out to like tell that story and whatnot. And I remember just hearing about that story, like so many, just like one time and it just, it just stuck with me because you don't go through life experiencing something like that and just think, oh, someone just broke my house. There's too many variables to think that that was just somebody who just ran in their house. Okay, the third one with my parents was, I'd say a bit more movie-esque in terms of like what happened. And this one, I was a bit more skeptical on, but as, I, as I've grew up and everything, I kind of understood and like, I believe it totally. This one happened, I believe, three years after the previous one. My mom and dad had just finished their ministry in Russia. They had been there. They'd gone three times over the course of three years, for I think three months. So they'd been there a total, a total like about a year. They spent a year in Russia, made a lot, a lot of friends. Well, anyway, so after they had ministry and everything, after they, they were going to different churches around Texas and certain places and telling their story about, like, oh, we went to Russia, we met these people, and tell about their tes- certain testimonies they, they had about people getting saved and whatnot. Well, they went to this one church and everything. Well, this church had had, we're going to have, it was like one of those kind of, I wouldn't say necessarily big ones. It was like a medium-sized one. And th- in this one, they had had several guests there. They were going to speak uh, that that day and everything throughout the week. So like my mom and dad spoke on Monday. Somebody else spoke on Tuesday, Wednesday, etc. So my mom and dad stayed in that town for a week and whatnot. But they knew some of the people who were there. So they stayed with, they stayed with one of their friends and whatnot. Well, their friend, they had, their friend had a daughter, right? She was like really friendly, really polite, really sweet girl. And she was, I believe she was 21 or 22 when this all happened. Well, when they got there, their daughter was acting very weird, had, had been acting very weird. And her parents noticed that like throughout the weeks and everything that she'd been getting, she was acting differently, just very, wouldn't speak at all, was getting very like, was being very cryptic, being very like, not, not depressed, but almost like she was angry or something. She was just saying all, all these negative things. And so, but she was still going to church and everything, but she, the daughter didn't want to, their friend's daughter didn't want to. So they go to church this one night with her and with the friends to listen to one of the sermons about one of the guests. And their guest is like a guest preacher from like this big, big church. 
Well, when they get there and everything, and they're sitting down, they're waiting for the preacher to walk in, and he walks in, and he doesn't waste he doesn't waste a minute. He automatically he looks around. He's like he 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 walks in, and he's he's not he's not all smiling. Just hi, how are you? He's looking around like he's like, and he sees that girl and everything, and he runs over to her, and he sees that like, jumps up on her, and starts shaking her, and he's like saying, "Get out of this girl right now." He's like saying, "Leave this girl right now." And everyone's just in shock. They're like, what, what, the, what the hell is going on? And this guy starts speaking like in tongues. He starts speaking like uh, Hebrew and everything, doing Hebrew sermons and whatnot, like, like shutting the heathen world like I don't. Just like all, the, all those little things, he starts like praying like in Hebrew. He's saying, leave this girl. And they're just, the only thing that they can make out of it is that he's saying, leave this girl now in the name of God. Leave this girl. And this girl, she's freaking out. She, she's just, she's shaking. She's like, she's screaming at him, just unintelligible words. She's, she's not saying, she's not saying, oh, get off me. What the hell are you doing? She's screaming like violently. She's just shaking all that. She's having a seizure or something. And she's screaming, like, ah, but she's not saying anything. She's just yelling at it. And everyone is just kind of in shock and everything. Everyone's like, whoa, whoa, what, what are you doing? And then eventually, like, I, this happens for like maybe 60, like a minute, maybe that this goes on. And everyone's just kind of freaked out. Every, no one's really doing nothing because they're just in shock. Like this, this Random people just walked in, starts running this girl. They're just like, "What the hell is going on?" And so eventually, like, the, he just stops and like he says, like, and everyone just in awe. And it was like, "What happened?" He's like, "Well, this girl was possessed." Like, preacher's like, "This girl was possessed. I could feel it in her." And this girl, she's unconscious at the time. She's like passed out. She's just laying there. And so they call the medics and everything. They take her to the hospital and everything. She, she's fine. Like physically, she's fine. Nothing wrong with her at all. She's just. Like out of it, like she's. They said, doctor said it looked like she had like a panic attack or something. But it says like that. But the preacher was like, "Oh, she was possessed." So the guy then goes about. He then goes about with his sermon and everything. Well, it comes to find out later about the the girl and everything. She had been doing like some like some demon like like some demon shit. She was like doing like satanic stuff, reading some did satanic stuff, witchcraft and whatnot, messing around with a Ouija board, and like so they believed that like she was fully like possessed and everything. But then after that, she went back to normal. She went back to the happy-go-lucky self, started dressing normally and everything, started just acting friendly. And my, my parents are still friends with her to this day. And, like, like she'll tell you, like, yeah, this happened to me. Like, I was possessed and whatnot. And she firmly believed that she was, like, into some weird shit and whatnot. And my parents, they had kind of been on skeptical on the fence. But even them going forward, it's like, yeah, this is real. Same with me. It's like... I've never personally seen anything like that, like a possession, full-on possession before, but I've seen enough stuff and I've heard enough testimonies to where I believe that that really did happen. Yeah, well, in terms of like the things that I've said today, I, like I said, I'm a very spiritual, I'm a very God-fearing man, but I, I wouldn't necessarily classify myself as Christian, just more so as like follower of Jesus, because the term Christian kind of gets, has kind of been bastardized today a bit. I'm definitely a believer in Jesus and whatnot. In certain things, I've always thought like, oh, there's no such thing as ghosts and whatnot. And that's kind of like a gray area when you ask like believers, Christian like about ghosts and whatnot and spirits. Well, it, it talks about like spirits and ghosts like in the Bible itself. It mentions that when Jesus came back from the grave, his disciples originally thought he was a ghost. They're like, you're a ghost. And they're like, no, no, no I'm not a ghost. And Jesus did not deny that ghosts were real. He just said that I am not a spirit. It even mentions like Leviticus, 
He's like, do not, do not seek out these things. Like there are things out there that exist that you do not mess with, like witchcraft and like fortune telling and just like, like tarot carving and that kind of stuff. So given all that stuff and like given my what I've read throughout the time, what I've experienced, I mean, if you believe in the good that comes like with what like the Bible and everything, you kind of got to believe in the bad. I mean, if you believe in God, you got to believe in Lucifer. Believe in angels, you got to believe in demons. And that stuff definitely exists, I believe. And you definitely have to take caution in terms of like, to avoid this kind of stuff. And it's one thing to go about it and just live your life and just kind of ignore it. But I'd say you definitely have to be open, not, not I would say open-minded, but informed when it comes to this kind of stuff. Do you want to try to scare me? If you've had or have heard about a paranormal experience you'd like to share, or if the area you live in has a particularly scary legend or lore, I want to hear it. Send an email to scareme at albiroblesvoice.com. Scare Me is produced by Albi Robles Voice and features original music by Adam Clifton. Additional sound bets are provided by Stephen D. Voiceovers. You can follow us on social media. We are Scare Me Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For voiceover booking information or to inquire about having your own podcast produced, go to www.albiroblesvoice.com. <laughs>